heaven now, couldn't you? Wow. <clears throat> you can't preach after that. I ought to sit down. What an amazing day to be a part of the family of God. This is the greatest day in the history of creation. The greatest day in the history of Christianity. The greatest day in all of time. But for those living it, didn't seem that way. What we understand as the greatest event in the history of humanity, what we understand as the greatest day in the history of Christianity, they hadn't experienced it yet. For a lot of people living out this week's events, it was some of the darkest days of their lives. Most of them hadn't even heard of any news of the resurrection. You and I are such instant information people. Can you even fathom? I don't think you can. I know I can't. Can you even fathom what it was like then with no information being disseminated in any way? I mean, nobody was texting it, tweeting it, or Facebooking it. That Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive. He's here. He's around. I saw him. I mean, today in our day, we would have been texting it every five seconds. It would have blitzed off the tweeter wall. Everybody and his mother would have communicated somewhere along the way that they had heard about the resurrection. It had gone around the world. It hadn't even reached their neighbors yet. So when you and I understand this kind of a day and this kind of event and this kind of emotion, you've got to every once in a while put yourself in their place. And then watch the transition begin to take place as they understood. For them, it was a very dark day, a very dark weekend. 2,000 years later, we don't appreciate that, but they did. Let me give you an example this morning. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke 24. Every one of the Gospels talk about the resurrection of Christ. This one gives us a very unique perspective as it begins to build in this transition of wondering about this information and watching the change take place when they really understand what it means. It's the same day that Jesus rose from the dead. You have your Bibles or iPad, version, whatever you have this morning. I want you to be in the Word because we're going to talk about this section of Scripture all the way through. The same day that Jesus rose from the dead, two of them, them being some of his followers, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Keep that in mind. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. <laughs> you imagine that conversation? As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept, for whatever reason, we're never sure, from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk together? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas, are you, <laughs> are you visiting Jerusalem that you don't know the things that have happened during these days? What things, Jesus asked, about Jesus of Nazareth? He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hope that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What's more, this is the third day since it all took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and they told us that they had seen a vision of the angels and, and said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they didn't see Jesus. These two guys are discouraged and defeated. The week started out in an amazing array of events. Last Sunday morning, we celebrated the triumphal entry, and for the group of disciples and the Messiah himself, I don't think there could have been a better day for them. It looked good for Jesus. It certainly looked good for them. But that was a week ago. The days of the week kept getting worse and worse until on Friday, they saw their Messiah die on a cross. Now, you and I call it Good Friday. For them, it was anything but good. 
How could it be good? When the one they put their hope in, the one they put their trust in, the one they believed in, the one they had fallen in love with was on a cross. Here these men are Easter Sunday morning and Jesus had risen from the dead. But some reason, for some unknown reason, they're still discouraged. I really think they thought Jesus was not going to die on a cross. I really think they thought he was finally going to bring Israel to its rightful place. I really think they even said that. We, we kind of had hope that this was going to happen. We kind of had hope that he was going to bring things what we thought would be. I think they really thought he was finally going to come into power, but it hadn't turned out the way they expected, and all of a sudden their plans and their dreams had died. I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that when you feel like everything you had planned up to a certain point of life stopped. And your dreams and your aspirations and your desires haven't reached fulfillment. You wonder at times if they ever will. When it happens, when our dreams get shattered and our hope is gone, we live in what might have been but isn't. We see life as it could have been. Our dreams die. Relationships die. Everything seems to go bad. Look at verse 21 in this section of Scripture. We had hoped that he would be the one to set Israel free. That phrase is said in the past perfect tense. To them, it was over. There was no hope. The door was closed. There's a hollow, empty sound in their voice. We had hoped, but no longer do we hope. We had believed but no longer do we believe. After what happened on Good Friday, all their dreams were shattered and their hope was gone. If they had said we were hoping, it would have at least left the door open, but to them, it was over. I've learned that when you counsel someone who's desperate or seriously depressed, what you listen for is some kind of future tense talk. You see, the more future tense talk you hear in their voices, the more you realize they're going to get through the crisis. But if anything about tomorrow doesn't come out of their vocabulary, it's pretty serious and needs to be taken serious. It's almost where these two guys are, depressed, discouraged, and defeated. We had hoped that he would be the Messiah, but it doesn't look like it turned out the way we thought. You ever feel that way? Nothing has turned out as you planned. Maybe you spent years trying to reach a certain goal, and now it seems like it's out of reach. Now it seems impossible. Or like these two men, someone very close to you has passed away. And you honestly don't know if you can go on. In all my years of ministry, I've spent an enormous amount of time talking to people in those kinds of situations. For everything they'd planned for, everything they dreamed about, everything they'd hoped for was gone. Obviously because of what they're missing in relationship to what I'll share at the end. On this particular day, these two men couldn't see tomorrow. Well, wasn't anything bright or exciting. They couldn't even see the present clearly. For whatever reason, Jesus kept, him from, kept them from recognizing him. We're not really sure, but by God's intervention, they didn't know who he was. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus wanted to see if they really could walk by faith and not by sight. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus knew that his church was going to be built by men and women who didn't have to personally experience the resurrection to believe that it was true. Maybe, just maybe, he knew his church was going to be built by people who didn't have to see Jesus perform a miracle to believe that he still could today. You see, these two men are walking with Jesus. Is he alive? Absolutely. The problem is they weren't living like he was. It's a historical fact that not only did Jesus die on the cross, it is a fact of history that he rose from the dead. 
But if you and I don't understand that, if we don't receive that fact, then we live like these two men in Emmaus. Even though Jesus has resurrected, we somehow live our lives discouraged, depressed, and defeated. But when the power of the resurrection in your life and mine takes hold, and we accept that resurrection and we personalize it and apply it to our life, then we see today and tomorrow clearly. These two men were living way beneath their privileges, way beneath what God intended them to understand once they understood the resurrection. What are you discussing among yourselves, he said. And you'll notice in verse 17, it says they stood still, their faces still downcast. They had already heard that he rose from the dead, but they still live in this state. And then they began to talk and share with them what Jesus had obviously lived out. And then he says to them in verse 25, how foolish you are. How slow to believe what the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah say all of this was going to take place? And didn't he say he was going to rise from the dead? But they weren't living like it. Jesus was alive. These two men were living like he wasn't. And many times, if we're not careful, so could you and I. Our problems seem too big to handle. Life is filled with that mad dash for things that never satisfy. They bring Jesus into their circle. They ask him to stay the night in verse 27 and 28 and 29. It was evening and nearly a day was almost over, so they asked him to stay. And, and then in verse 30, he broke bread at the table and took bread and gave thanks and gave it to them. And immediately their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Then they asked one another, wasn't our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? All of a sudden, once they understood the resurrection, everything in their lives began to change. From depression to excitement, Paul said in Romans 6, as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too can walk in newness of life. If the resurrection means anything, it means that we have a brand new beginning. The slate is clean, the past is gone. We've got a brand new sense of purpose, a brand new sense of being alive. Once these guys realize that Jesus is alive, look at what they do. Verse 34, they turn right around and head back to Jerusalem. Look at verse 27 and 28. It is night. And it's not like they're walking to Walmart. They're walking seven miles back to Jerusalem. When everything changes in your life and really do understand the resurrection of Christ, turns your darkness into dawn, it turns your gate into running. These guys ran, i got to believe, to Jerusalem. They had purpose and meaning in their life because Jesus was raised from the dead. They understood all that it meant for their past, all that it meant for their today, and all that it means for their future. Without the resurrection, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, none of this is possible. Because of the resurrection, we've got victory over our past, we've got a power in the present, and we have a promise of an amazing future. Those who have lost loved ones who knew Christ as their Lord and Savior. Today, this day, are celebrating Easter in heaven. The moment they receive Christ as Savior, they sealed their eternal destiny. And the moment they leave this world, they see Jesus face to face. That's an amazing promise. Paul said we sorrow. We miss those who have gone, but we don't sorrow like those who have no hope because our hope is in Christ. When dreams die and Everything begins to change and we lose our sense of purpose and we lose our sense of victory. All of a sudden we need to recognize that our hope is in Christ. And when that happens, all of a sudden everything changes. Jesus said, I've come to give you life, abundant life, full life, eternal life. Paul said, abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine, available to us from God because of the resurrection. 
If I had five minutes to convince you that the one thing that would bring you everything you need in life, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how many dreams have been dashed, no matter how, hope, how hopeless your hope may seem, I would simply give you this answer. It's Jesus. He's the answer you've been looking for. He's the answer for everything. He's better than any dream you might be chasing after. Better than any ambition that may have captured your devotion. He's better than anything that could distract you from doing what you're created to do. Jesus is the answer. He's bigger than the labels you were given when you were young, larger than the cynicism that settles in when you get old. He's greater than the greatest moments in your life thus far. He's better than a six-figure salary, a 4.0, or a three-story house. He's better than the Heisman Trophy, a trophy hunter, a trophy wife. He's better than a big promotion, a big raise, or a Harvard education. Better than the Super Bowl, a Caribbean cruise, or a Disney vacation. Jesus is everything you need. He's better than any person that ever walked on this earth. He's wiser than Confucius, smarter than Einstein. He's more holy than Gandhi, more spiritual than Buddha, more eloquent than Shakespeare, more creative than Mozart, more powerful than Napoleon, more compassionate even than Mother Teresa. The Bible says in Hebrews that he's better than the angels, better than the demons, better than any prophet, priest, or king. Moses represents the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. Joshua launched a kingdom that lasted centuries. Jesus launched a kingdom that lasts forever. David beat a giant named Goliath. Jesus beat a giant named Death. He's better than money, cars, clothes, entertainment, achievement, and popularity. Better than anything this world could ever offer you. There may be times in your life when that's hard to believe. Times when it doesn't feel like Jesus is better. The world will hate you. Your flesh will fight you. The devil will lie to you. Storms will come. You may face disappointment, deception, betrayal, rejection, sickness, and death. You're going to get tired, empty, scared, and alone, but never forget in the darkness what you learned in the light, that Jesus is right there with you when you invite him into your life. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the Prince of peace and the light of the world, the friend of sinners and the enemy of Satan. He is the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And if you really, truly believe it, it may cost you. You're going to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. You're going to help the poor, follow your pride, and love your enemies. You're going to read the Bible when you'd rather watch TV. You're going to pray when you'd rather sleep. You're going to serve when you'd rather be served. You're going to speak up when you'd rather be silent. But when it's all said and done, you'll never regret it because you'll know it was worth it because he is worth it. The Apostle Paul said, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost everything. I pray that somehow you may understand it. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you could know the hope that he has called us to, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when Christ was raised from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And every name that is invoked in this world. Not only in the present age, but in the one to come. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he would strengthen you with power through his spirit. Deep down in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you'll be rooted and established in love. And that you'll have power together with all of God's people to somehow grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ for you and I. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge and to be filled with the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do more than we could ask or imagine. 
according to the power that rose him from the dead at his work within us. To him be glory in us, in the church, and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. That is true because of the resurrection. That is true because God raised Jesus from the dead. So no matter how many dreams have been dashed and how deep your hope is gone, you need to know that Jesus is the answer for every single situation in your life. Because we live, because he lives, we live because of the power of the resurrection. We can have life in this life and life in eternity. It doesn't get any better than that. Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for the power of your word. We're the power of words. But, Lord, they sit on a page empty if we don't really understand the impact that it means to us. They sit on a page in black and white until we really fully understand that everything you promised you could do and everything you promised that we could receive was in you and in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, for those of us here this morning (coughs) who feel like things haven't turned out the way we thought they would, the dreams have been shattered and hopes are gone, I pray, O God, in the power of Jesus' name, They'll remind them of your grace and your mercy and your tenderness and your power. Who don't need to walk by sight, but they can walk by faith. Who know that the same Jesus who rose from the dead, who changed these lives forever, can change our lives as well. May we walk out this day alive in victory in Christ Jesus because we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Christ has rescued us and redeemed us and set us free, who rose from the dead, and because of that, we have life forever. And so in that, we praise.